0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Oh, wow. You're actually wearing your hair down tonight. Yeah, because I finally decided that I love my hair. I figured out the solution for my morning frizz, midday poof, and even next day bedhead. It's Frizz-E Secret Weapon Touch-Up Cream by John Frieda. Well, you and your hair look flawless. Flawless and touchable. Feel.
1: See? It's soft,
0: smooth ends, no flyaways, shiny. Well, I clearly need to get some because your hair looks amazing. Frizz-E Secret Weapon, only from John Frieda.
2: Roto-Wire fantasy football podcast Brought to you by com. It is Tuesday, September 13th 2016. I'm Jake Letarski here alongside Eric Katuri. If you're out there on Twitter, you can follow Eric at ETcat30. Please follow me at JakeSki52 And a quick reminder, if you happen to be listening on iTunes or Stitcher, please leave us a nice review. That's uh, the way you can, you can tip us without actually giving cash. So uh, we very much appreciate any and all feedback there Let's dive right in, Eric. Today's mostly going to be waiver wire centered, but we'll start with the Monday night. Uh, We had a doubleheader Monday night, as we usually do on week one. Uh, What's the top performer or biggest thing to jump out at you week one? Well,
3: clearly it's uh, D'Angelo Williams. He uh, is going to be afforded the starting job again for a few games to start the season. Um, Just the fact that he's getting this huge workload probably gives him like a little more impetus to actually go out there and you know work his tail off and Mm -hmm. you could see that he was just ripping apart the redskins throughout the night uh, what do you have 143 yards and two touchdowns or something like
2: that Yeah, exactly it's like almost you take an entire season that he would have in carolina and then crunch it into three <laughs> weeks here at pittsburgh and then right. give you the the uh the, his time in place of Le'Veon bell but he was huge man if you went into monday night down 70 points and you had d'angelo williams and antonio brown you won that game because those guys were absolutely huge mm-hmm. and i know uh it was a pretty chalk week for daily but d'angelo williams helping a lot of folks in that department as well here what about Antonio Brown? I was on the fade Antonio Brown wagon here, uh, who had a matchup against Josh Norman, noted as one of the best cover corners in the league. Uh, but of course, Antonio Brown still had a huge game. I mean, what went wrong here for the Washington defense?
3: Well, what they decided to do is actually put Bashad Breeland on uh, Antonio Brown most of the night. So they were actually staying specifically to one side or the other. I believe Breland was on the right, uh, Josh Norman was on the left, and You know, the Steelers took full advantage of that. Mm -hmm. They actually had Antonio Brown running most of his routes on the left side.
2: Exactly. Well, it's not like they were intentionally putting Breland on Brown. I think... uh, No, they were were doing uh,
3: strictly right and
2: left side. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. They would keep Norman on his side rather than have them shadow Brown Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the whole thing. And I think... I mean. When you pay someone, you have a $15 million man, you think you would use him in that context. But, uh, I mean, we got brought up on uh, our XM radio show this morning how, I mean, Richard Sherman doesn't necessarily shade people. He usually plays a side. And there's a lot of good corners that don't necessarily do that. So everyone, it's a trendy thing to... I don't know, jump on the the Washington Redskins coaching staff and defense there, but I'm not entirely sure that's fair. I mean, granted, like in Seattle, they have the uh,
3: added protection of the safeties actually being like decent cover Exactly. You know, defensive yeah. backs themselves, whereas the, uh, the, the, whereas the Redskins actually don't really have that.
2: Yeah, there's, not, there's <laughs> not a lot in that defensive secondary to get too excited about. I mean, Josh Norman's going to help that team, but uh, I mean, you're going to have to get some help from your, your David Brutons and your D'Angelo Halls of the world yep. in uh, the defensive secondary there. Um, what about Eli Rogers? I mean, is he maybe someone we're going to talk about later in the show as a fab target? Hint, hint.
3: Yeah, we're definitely going to be talking about him later. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) he got some love in this one for sure. I mean, six carries, seven targets. I always follow the targets. 59 yards and a score, and there's going to be a few more weeks. It might be contingent on Marcus Wheaton, but we'll get to that when we get to that part of the show. Do we want to discuss
3: uh, what his touchdown looked like? It it was a, you know, being in the right place at the right time, serendipitous type of thing.
2: Oh, yeah, Uh, exactly. I do remember that. It it was
3: like Marcus Wheaton, or sorry, uh, Sammy Coates is actually the one targeted. Uh, it went off, uh, was it his shoulder or something like yeah, that? So and right directly into right up in the air,
2: but instead of into a defender, right, right into the mitts. Right uh, into Rogers, Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Coates only targeted three times in this game. I uh, ended up catching two passes for 56 yards, had the big play, but pretty quiet other than that. So maybe something to watch moving forward. The other thing that jumps out at me here, Washington backfield. They only ran the ball 12 times. So is there even a lesson to take out of this? Did we learn anything on Monday? Uh, I, th-
3: I think it's just a, the fact that they got down. Uh, pr- I mean, they d- they did hold the Steelers' scholars in the first quarter, but then after that, the Steelers are just steamrolling them. Mm-hmm. I think they realized that they had to pass more than run, and they they couldn't really you know focus on the rushing attack.
2: Yeah, exactly. And Matt pl- Jones, go
3: ahead. I, I, and I was just going to say, Matt Jones came to the game you know a little bulky with that shoulder injury. Yeah,
2: possibly a little bit banged up. He carried the ball seven times. Chris Thompson carried the ball four times. So mm-hmm. something to watch out the big thing is Chris Thompson ended up with the uh, goal line carry so he had the better fantasy day of course because he scored the touchdown I don't necessarily think he'll be keeping that up goal line duties all year no. but uh, but I mean other fantasy guys that got hype guys like Rob Kelly were an afterthought so you know, just irrelevant in this game probably can safely drop Rob Kelly unless uh, you are in a deep league and desperately somehow some reason need a Matt Jones handcuff. so
1: mm-hmm. yeah, we
2: can move on to the next game though from here we've got the Los Angeles Rams at San Francisco 49ers still weird for me to say Los Angeles I mean I was four years old when they moved so it was St. Louis for me the whole time here but this game overall reminded me a lot of last year's opener where the 49ers somehow dominated the Vikings which Carlos Hyde had a huge game and here we have the 49ers dominating the Rams and Carlos Hyde having a huge game to me Hyde has skills but it's going to be so health dependent yeah indeed like I mean he he dealt with that that foot injury for a lot of last year and that can be uh detrimental. I mean even even Sean Drone got a touchdown in this one so they're they're spreading the love around a little bit. Well I mean th- there are a lot of parallels between, you know, the Vikings and uh
3: the Rams Vikings from last year and the Rams from this year. Uh you know, their premier uh offensive players the running back, you mm-hmm. know, AP or Todd Gurley. Their defenses are supposed to be stout, uh, the front sevens, but, Mm -hmm. you know, the Vikings got run over last year by Carlos Hyde, and same thing happened this year to the Rams.
2: Which didn't get any better after Aaron Donald got tossed. He almost went Kyle Turley on the field there in quite a display.
3: Yeah, you almost feel like he's going to get, you know, maybe a— at least a fine, and if not a, you know. Yeah,
2: potential suspension. suspension. Yeah. You should probably get at least 50K for a fine. I mean, Godel's yeah. not just going to let something like yeah, that slide. Exactly. On national TV, even if only the West Coast is watching a tire fire of a <laughs> football game.
3: And us uh, degenerate football fans that stayed up uh, well past
2: midnight. Oh, yeah. I was there (laughs) well up to 1 o'clock Central Time up here in the Midwest here. Uh, The other thing with this game, Eric, given the Rams' complete offensive ineptitude, are you at all worried about Todd Gurley yet? He had kind of a dud in terms of fantasy. Uh, 17 carries, 47 yards, 2.8 yards per attempt. Keenum just was not a threat at all until absolute garbage time. He was not a threat, period, to, to make any good throws
3: yeah it seems like uh because the Ram's offensive line isn't you know <laughs> stellar he has to tr that is has to bust a run or two every night and he only had a long of ten in this game yeah. even- 17 rushes is normally enough to have like a decent fantasy night, but yeah. he wasn't able to rip anything off at it all It could have
2: been worse for him, too He was he was getting first hit behind the line of scrimmage and yeah. and he was struggling not not necessarily struggling But because of the skills and the, and the good back that he is he's able to get back to the line of scrimmage So making he uh, at least essentially neutralizing some of those potential big losses there So key as a runner. He looked all right He just just getting zero favors from his offensive line or anybody else on that offense period
3: Yeah, it, it doesn't help when your uh, quarterback goes or has 3.7 yards per attempt on 35 throws. So
2: oh, that's disgusting case <laughs> Keenan I, los angeles fans got to be clamoring for Jared Goff Uh quicker than ever your first round draft pick it's about time to get him in the ball game yeah. here
3: So if you want to like look at a, a, one last parallel when it comes to the vikings last year and the rams this year uh, ap actually was held to 31 yards on 10 carries last year Gurley mm-hmm. went 17 for 47 uh ap Last year, follow that up, that dud of an opener with back-to-back 100-yard efforts. In Week 3, he also had two touchdowns.
2: Yeah, so don't push the panic button on <laughs> Gurley just yet. I wouldn't be out there trying to trade him for a low-ball offer by any means like that. Keep him around. He's going to have his big games, and uh, you're going to be able to reap the benefits
3: there. Yeah, the, the unfortunate thing for Gurley is he actually faces the Seahawks at home mm-hmm. uh, this this Sunday. So um, we'll see if he'll actually be able to... You know do something on them.
2: Yeah, I mean a, a very good front seven in seattle So we'll we'll see how that goes and and if, if they can even get some sort of a lead to be able to be in a position to run the ball sure. last thing to note in this game. Jeremy Curley He kind of looks like he'll have a somewhat big role this year He was uh, I mean he was only been with the 49ers for a week But he was targeted 11 times caught seven balls for 61 yards Is this just standard Jeremy Curley possession receiver stuff or are we starting to see the kamar aiken of 2016? man, <laughs>
3: I think Kamar Aiken has a little more explosive ability whereas Curly's just gonna be steady. He'll he'll gather in what, like two thirds of his passes, but mm-hmm. not average, you know, a very good yards per catch. I mean, in I this game, it, it was 8.7, which is, you know, fair, fairly decent. But I I'm, I expect him to scale back to maybe like six. Mm-hmm. And then you're only going to have efforts of like 40 to 50 yards kind of max. I, I think that's kind of his ceiling. Yeah. But
1: he also
2: has a safe floor. I mean, uh, the only reason we can even make the Kamari comparison is it's a top receiver on a terrible offense on a bad team that's going to get the, the great sure. majority of the volume there. So will it be Curly? I think we might see a little Tory Smith more as the season goes on. The game flow of this one, though, just limited Smith. They didn't really have to air it out. Smith's typically more of a deep ball guy. Sure, yeah. Exactly here. Well, uh, we've got a full waiver wire breakdown for you here, probably one of the most important podcasts you'll listen to all week here. Uh, we're going to break it down position by position, throw out some options for you on the waiver wire here. We're going to try to make some fab recommendations, too. Again, that stands for Free Agent Acquisition Budget. Uh, where a lot of leagues use an auction system to determine their waivers here. All of those recommendations will be based on a 12-team standard format with a $100 budget here. Let's start off with quarterbacks, and we're going to be pretty comprehensive with the quarterbacks. Make sure that if you're in a two-quarterback league, we'll have you covered here. But a player that might still be getting some QB love in in standard one quarterback leagues might be rookie Carson Wentz from Philadelphia now we discussed this uh a little bit on the last podcast we mentioned Carson Wentz after they traded Bradford he was going to be the starter but he had himself a pretty nice line against the Cleveland Brown now here is the uh, here's the question here Eric is this Wentz being good or is this the Browns being bad I, I'd like to
3: think that uh, the Cleveland Browns are actually turning in a new leaf with uh, Hugh Jackson as uh, their head coach now, but you know they, they seem like no matter what type of coach, what no matter the talent level, I've said coach yeah. or talent level of the players on the team, like they're just gonna be horribly coached.
2: That just doesn't change the fact that they just have a very young and inexperienced front seven on defense. A lot of rookies, a couple of first-rounders from last year, I mean, they got Joe Schobert, former Badger there, but they don't have that stellar middle linebacker that's a run stuffer this year. Christian Kirksey, okay, I suppose. And and I don't know if that 3-4 defense is going to cut it yet. They might need a couple more years to mature and develop.
3: You're right. With... uh you know, veteran Carlos to be moving on to the Bengals. Yeah, that definitely hurts her. Um, mm-hmm. Just communication, I guess, in the middle of that defense. Yeah.
2: Dan's be a veteran with yeah. who's been an IDP darling for years and years now since his days with the Cardinals.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, so uh, that, that's
3: a really good point, actually. I like that. Mm-hmm.
2: So we, yeah, <laughs> so we've got a uh, so we've got a Carson Wentz here. He's out on your waiver wire here, and maybe you're saying like, okay, uh, him and Matthews have some chemistry. He's got some other weapons in that offense. Maybe Doriel Green Beckham gets going. Ryan Matthews might be a little bit more. More effective moving forward but he was he was still pretty solid in week one here do you throw a couple bucks out on on Carson Wentz personally it's a one to two dollar bid for me in a 12-team single quarterback league I like the fact that
3: when I was looking at his highlights after the game because I didn't really see it in real time. You know, we were in here in office on Sunday and mm-hmm. had red zone on and kind of focusing on the Packers games since yeah, we're Packers exactly. fans. Exactly.
2: I mean, so, every every NFL Sunday is always always <laughs> an, a, a, just a, a craziness in the, in yeah. the office here. We you know, always decide, okay, which games are we going to put on our four receivers here, and I uh, got to have red zone, got to have the Packers, uh, and and so yeah, we didn't get to see a lot of that live. Just kind of the highlights.
3: Yeah. So when I. When I did actually go back and look at the highlights of this game, he was making pinpoint passes. He was putting balls in, you know, basically the perfect spot where the defenders were, you know, like literally fingertip away from like, you know, tipping that ball away. But it got into the receiver's hands. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that he was able to make those throws in his first NFL start.
2: Yeah, that's very good to see. So I can, if he's still available in your league, I can see maybe uh, going going after him. I mean. If you were a Tony Romo guy and are still searching for the solution there or if you're just not all that comfortable with your quarterback play or have a fringe guy, I could see picking him up and picking your battles here. But looking ahead to week two here, that might be um, a little bit concerning here because we've got the Eagles uh, going on the road. Uh, to face the Bears on Monday night, so a pretty bad defense, I think, especially if Kyle Fuller's still hurt or inactive for the Bears. Wentz could be an excellent option here in Week Two as well. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. All right, so just to dot our I's and cross our T's here, we're going to run down a couple names here for the uh, for two quarterback leagues. Guys, you might want to consider picking up. Uh, first and foremost, Josh McCown is going to take the reins in Cleveland. RG three is down for the count with a shoulder injury. Now. Josh McCown, he had a game last year where he threw for 450 yards in, over, in, in an overtime game against the Ravens here. Uh, I mean, personally, I would limit it to two quarterback leagues. I don't touch him in any single quarterback league, even if it is a 16-teamer here. But uh, so, so Josh McCown, a- any viability there? I mean, I, I think you've got to like the matchup a little bit. But again, this Baltimore defense is, is, seems to be improving a little bit. So in that 400-plus-yard uh, passing you know,
3: effort, how many touchdowns did he throw?
2: I think it was two.
3: Okay. So, total last year in eight starts, he had a 12 to 4 touchdown interception ratio, which is, isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, man.
2: If you have a 12 like, to 4 ratio in like four games, yeah. then you're doing good. But he started the whole season minus a little bit of yeah. Johnny Manziel silliness.
3: Yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, man. Like, I like the fact that the receiving core is seemingly upgraded. Mm-hmm. He's going to get Josh Gordon back at some point. Exactly. Corey Coleman's going to continue to develop. You don't think Gary Barnage is going to put up yeah. a dud again. Yeah,
2: Gary Barnage is going to be more productive with McCown. Yeah. Barnage had a career year last year. I know he's in his 30s already, but Barnage will be, this is one of the things we hit heavily. Don't give up on Gary Barnage yet. Things are heading up for him, actually. Yeah. But just, just for comparison's sake, a couple other guys that should be relevant in two quarterback leagues. Sean Hill's still the starter in Minnesota, but Sam Brad Bradford's going to take that eventually. You you would have to think, and then you have to bring up Blaine Gabbert, who was pretty mistake free on on Monday Night Football here. So if you got to pick a uh, QB two for your super flex league, and you're looking at McCown, Bradford, and Gabbert, I mean, where are you putting your money? Uh
3: McCown, Bradford, Gabbert. <laughs> I, I I mean, I just the fact that McCown has the like best array of weapons. Mm-hmm. I would probably go that route. I, I guess we didn't really mention Duke Johnson either. Like he's gonna be able to, He'll
2: you know, be more at least involved. he only got three carries and yeah. a couple of targets here. He was an afterthought for Isaiah Crowell, right? But, uh, and you would have thought with them being behind for most of that game, Duke Johnson would have been more involved sure. as the pass catching back. Not the case. Isaiah Crowell kind of dominated the workload there. Like did.
3: RG3 legitimately win that job or did they kind of give it to him because they went after him in the off season?
2: Yeah, I feel like you sign him, you got to at least give him a shot here. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. if you're you're an organization who's not expecting to win this year and has nothing to lose, if you think as a team you're going to be able to go 9 and 7 this year and possibly squeak a wild card, then you throw Josh McCown. And if you think as a team sure. you're going to be the same old 4-5 wins while you continue to rebuild sure. still gather up draft picks then you start a guy, guy like RG3 just to see sense. who you have. Right, um, And of course the Browns ways lo- so far away from making the playoffs I mean just uh, yeah. week one didn't do anything to help them so I think uh, I think uh, for your QB flex uh, McCown has the edge here mm-hmm. but once again when you're picking between turds you're still looking at a pile of poop I like to say that when you're doing <laughs> uh, when you're doing free agent uh, you know usually I say it in a little more vulgar terms we'll keep it clean on the podcast today here but I mean I mean this is just a, a, just a situation you don't want to be in
3: it, yeah and it's it's pretty bad we're saying that uh and Bradford was, uh, you yeah, know, or, Vikings dealt a first round pick for Sam Bradford and he's still not starting yeah. he's not a consideration at all in this conversation
2: yeah it's a little bit scary because he's not he, you can't even consider picking him up until he has a starter's job mm-hmm. and that remains to be seen here but let's shift po- focus over to the running back position Eric I gotta be honest with you this was the toughest uh, waiver wire selection here because there weren't a lot of names a lot of the backups that were getting increased opportunities were already owned heading into week one I'm talking about your Spencer wares of the world but let's go ahead and get Spencer Ware out of the way here if your league completely whiffed on him and you haven't put in a claim for him yet go ahead and do it go ahead and do that now he's still available in about 19 percent of leagues so there's a one in five chance he'll be available just just go ahead and get him just in case even if even if you are anticipating Jamal Charles coming back week two where's someone that's good to have and, and he might be a little bit involved if they do decide to use Charles in action
3: yeah and we should mention that uh that's e s p n leagues um I don't know what Yahoo or Fox sports or any other type of uh site has for ownership rate on where but that's specifically e s p n and that should be your easiest waiver claim of the week
2: yeah yeah if he's available he should go be ahead, the number one <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and, and, and check out Yahoo availability for later in the show here. But, uh, but yeah, so Spencer, Ware number one here. Um, another guy I want to talk about though on the list. So we're going to start, uh, we're going to start uh, maybe stretching it a little bit because that was what we had to do with running backs this week. Yeah. Now, Chris Ivory inactive week one, he's been in the hospital here and he actually remains in the hospital Tuesday. He's got some sort of calf concern, uh, but the hospitalization not related. It's some sort of general medical issue. Now, if you're on the waiver wire and you want to really win, you got to bid on players for zero one dollar a couple of weeks before they break out here. And the reason I'm even bringing up Ivory right now is because TJ Yeldon. We watched that whole Packer game. He looked pretty terrible. He had a touchdown to salvage the fantasy day, but when it was all said and done, he did very little that was uh, in in any way encouraging. Here, one point nine yards for carry, twenty one carries for thirty nine yards. Just a uh, just a pretty much a snoozer, a dud out of TJ Yeldon. So. When, If and when Chris Ivory comes back, you're taking a little bit of a gamble with the health concern, but you're banking on him pretty much taking that job from Yeldon because Yeldon hasn't done anything to earn it.
3: Yeah, and what has he done in a year plus with them anyway, right?
2: Yeah, very and limited. He was banged up for a lot of last year, but, uh, but I mean, overall, just, uh, yeah, I don't know, there's not a lot to like about you and I stayed away from him this year, and
3: it's looking like a good move. And the Jags went out of their way, you know, to sign Ivory in the off season. so obviously they want to see what they have in him at some point as the workhorse running back. I mean, yeah, what has he averaged, your uh, yards per carry? He's averaged over four yards per carry every single season in his career um with a high of 5.4 so he uh, he's gonna be like running at a decent clip when he does get the job
2: Mm -hmm. yeah exactly here so uh something to definitely think about here uh another name i want to bring up in the running back uh situation here uh i know if you were in a yahoo league chances are He's not going to be available because he got bumped way up on draft boards, especially in late drafts. And I'm talking about Tevin Coleman. Now, I'm not ready to give up on Devontae Freeman just yet. Uh, you showed with your Adrian Peterson example that week one duds don't necessarily stay duds the rest of the year here. So uh, and, and Freeman did get a few more carries than Coleman in this game. However, Coleman took a decent chunk of these things out, and he was even more productive in the pa- in the passing game here. Is Tevin Coleman, should he be up there on your list as well if he's out there? Um yeah, I mean it seems like he's going to be a
3: decent decent part of the passing game, correct?
2: Yeah, I mean if, yeah, exactly, <laughs> especially he's with six targets. Role. And 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 don't mind everyone seems to forget that he was the starter over Freeman last year before he got hurt, and then Freeman burst onto the scene ended up finishing as the top fantasy scorer just in all of fantasy, but that job was supposed to be Coleman's <laughs> to start the year.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um he had eight, he had uh 13 combined touches in week 1. Um I mean I I can easily see him averaging about 15 or so, at least for the foreseeable future. (laughs) I mean, they want to have him heavily involved and also keep Devontae Freeman fresh.
2: Yeah, exactly. So uh, they'll find a way to work in tandem. And I think especially in that division there where there are some porous defenses, you know, talking Saints and, and Falcons and those types of opponents here. Well, he's on the Falcons. Oh, yeah, Bucks. Oh, Bucks. Da, da, <laughs> yeah, Bucks. All, yeah, All. Yeah, I'm sorry. There you go. Good catch there. <laughs> Just I, I, wanted to. Yeah, exactly. But there, there are some porous defenses in there that yeah. uh, that are going to give up some big games to the pass-catching running backs. And and it will be worth keeping around. So both of those guys are going to have fantasy utility this year. Um, what about... Uh, let's go to Detroit. How about Theo Riddick? He had seven carries and five targets, and I mean, he caught eighty passes last year, so nobody's surprised by the five targets in that game. Um, but what we are surprised is seven catches, or I'm sorry, seven carries. Seven carries. So yeah. if he finishes the year with over a hundred carries, he has to be someone that is being looked at right now. Yeah, he
3: see. I mean, I guess I would put him like even beyond like say Giovanni Bernard, right? Like he'd probably jump into the. I don't know. Yeah, if given about the opportunity. Almost rb one, like uh, maybe top RB2 range, mm-hmm. something like that, if yeah. he's getting that many carries. No, I'm not
2: quite ready to... Bid RB one price on a guy like Theo Riddick. Sure. I, I don't think you should be spending more than ten to twelve percent of your budget on someone like Theo Riddick because we never know. And his his utility is greatly limited to PPR formats. You know, he's not just uh, someone that you can throw out in your standard formats. His, his I mean, his floor is five catches a week. So if he gets five catches, thirty yards, something like that, everything else is just a bonus because you get double digit points every week. That's that's good enough for someone to plug in and play during bye weeks. We're just banking on potential ceiling if uh, if he's able to continue. up up at this carry pace yeah so i was
3: uh actually talking to mario puig who's uh you know our college football guy this weekend and he uh watched the entire detroit indie game on sunday he uh noticed that they were ditching any attempt to run between the tackles they were specifically you know going for you know trying to stretch defense go no huddle like go right or left and uh i i think uh theoretic skill set were or fits perfectly into that And it's probably the reason he had seven carries and caught all five of his targets in this game.
2: Yeah, I would. Yeah, I'm definitely right there with you here. And I think that'll change as the opponents continue to change here. Sure. Indianapolis, Vontae Davis, one of the better tackling cornerbacks, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and he's out the first month. He's out the first month. So if they're able to run around to that side and get outside and, and get some crack blocks in there, then uh, perhaps uh, there's a lot of outside run game. I think that was just the opponent. I think we'll see a little bit more Abdullah between the tackles sure. moving forward. So that's why I'm not necessarily all in on Theo Riddick. I mean, I'm going to put a modest bid in my PPR leagues just in case especially those leagues where i own Abdullah, just so i i'm able to hedge my bet there in case i was wrong on Abdullah. but but overall i mean i think this is given the colts defense this is uh one of the better games that he won probably a top five game for him this year
3: yeah and i guess you have to recall too that the lions now have a patriots influence uh they brought in a pats exec last year to actually run the team mm-hmm. so maybe they're going to start employing you know a little more match up specific game plans rather than run a specific offense so that's a re- actually a really good point
2: yeah. They may not go the no huddle all the time exactly that could do very well for him uh we talked about chris thompson in the monday night thing i mean we really can't learn a lot from this redskins uh rushing attack here uh but one thing that you can do probably is if you do need to make a pickup and you're a rob kelly owner you can probably cut him loose right he yeah. had no role in the offense I know he was getting a lot of hype maybe as a late, late sleeper or sometimes a waiver wire option, but with Matt Jones healthy, Chris Thompson even getting the goal line carries, and most of the third down work presumably, Rob Kelly back into the player pool.
3: Yeah, I'd say like deep dynasty leagues are probably the only place you can really hold on to him at this point.
2: All right, what about a watch list candidate? I'm going to head over to Miami and look sure. at someone like Damian Williams. Now, Jay Ajayi seemingly having some tensions with that team Does not like how he was replaced by the recently signed Arian Foster. Didn't even travel with the team here. So we have Damian Williams jumping into their backup running back role. Now, I assume that, and this is never a good idea to assume, but I assume that Ajayi is going to be able to work this thing out with his team and eventually get on the field. He's much too talented for the team to not do that. However, the number two running back behind Foster, who is somewhat injury prone at this stage in his career, there's some value there. So you're thinking throw Damian Williams on your watch list?
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we saw Alfred Blue actually take full advantage of uh, Aaron Foster's injury last year. So why can't Damian Williams do the same here? Especially yeah. with an injury prone running back in front of him.
2: Exactly. To actually pick him up this week, you either have to have a super deep bench or just a super deep league or more likely a combination of both. But otherwise he's a good watchlist player to keep an eye on. Sure. And uh, you know, maybe you could even get ahead of the game with a with a very, very modest bid this week. Well, you're staring at your fantasy opponent and thinking to yourself, I would love to challenge just one of his players, not his entire team, but your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to. Now you can on the all new no half The No Halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players or teams. For example, you can pit Odell Beckham against Antonio Brown, Cam Newton against Aaron Rodgers, or even Ezekiel Elliott against Todd Gurley. Creating the challenge takes seconds, and accepting challenges is even easier. No Halftime challenges can be private or public and created for NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and other sports. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone or Android device. Use promo code ROTOFF16 and receive a 100% bonus up to $25. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. No Halftime, where the fantasy sports season never takes a break join today and get started well eric we're going to go ahead and move on to the wide receiver position group and uh run down the targets this is one of the deeper waiver wire options where whether it be because of injury or whether it be because we see opportunities sorting themselves out here there are a decent amount of um Of wide receivers out there for you. I think, you know how we started with the obvious choice? We started with Spencer Ware in the running back department. I think we can go ahead and start and get the obvious choice out of the way here and uh, just go ahead and re mention Tajay Sharp because he's still available in 42% of ESPN leagues. No, that's his ownership rate. That's his ownership?
3: That's ridiculous, right? Oh,
2: boy, he's. Go ahead and get Tajay Sharp. What are these ESPN folks doing? Yeah, Maybe, maybe the uh, – I don't like to throw the partner under the bus. They're a great partner. But maybe the app out would just caused people to not uh, go so heavy on those pickups mm-hmm. or something along those lines. But, okay, well, I was going to throw Tajay Sharp out of this conversation because I assumed he had already been drafted. Go out and get him, right? I yeah. mean, that's the moral of the story. I mean, <laughs> everybody was
3: singing his praises throughout, like, the latter half of the preseason, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in – It doesn't it didn't really matter the medium, whether you're listening to a podcast or watching television like you heard his name. I don't understand like how he wasn't on more rosters in week one.
2: Exactly. He was projected to be a PPR darling he was targeted 11 times he hauled in seven for 76 I mean that's a 15 point PPR fantasy day and that's for someone that you're getting for nothing right now so even if if you're in a 10 team league there's a spot on your bench for Tajay Sharp go ahead go ahead and and, and pay the money for him I think at this point if he's still out there he's worth at least 15 to 20 percent of your waiver wire budget yeah you know, sure. Unless you're you're playing in maybe an eight team league or something like that. But again, if it's a twelve teamer, yeah, fifteen to twenty percent I'm totally fine with here. But let's move on to a player that uh has very, very, very low ownership, should be available, and is gonna get a lot of hype. Hype to almost the point where you're gonna have to pay up maybe overpriced for him, but he's worth someone. That in my opinion, maybe an eight to twelve dollar bid, and that's Tyrell Williams of the San Diego Chargers. He's got the build of a wide receiver. He's six foot four, over two hundred pounds. He should be able to have some de- decent length there. And he was the leading <laughs> wide receiver with seventy one yards for the Chargers on Sunday. Two catches on five targets. So not targeted a ton, but without Keenan Allen available, he's going to miss the season with the torn ACL. Really tough break for Allen owners. I think that would increase the price on Tyrell Williams if you were an Allen owner. Tyrell Williams is going to have a role in this offense, whether we like it or not. They're going to try to use Gordon and Woodhead in the backfield, that tandem. And I still think Travis Benjamin is the number one receiver there. But on a San Diego defense, that's absolutely terrible. I think you need to give uh, Tyrell Williams a look because we're going to see the same as past years. Phillip Rivers throwing the ball a lot, and somebody's got to get those targets.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, think, I still think the big three in San Diego is going to be Travis Benjamin Danny Woodhead, and Antonio Gates. I think they're going to be the top three most targeted players on a given week. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Tyrell Williams is going to be kind of like that, you know, deep threat and, you
2: know, maybe like a Torrey Smith-like type of player. I think last year or that. Iman had a very good yards per target number, but he wasn't targeted a ton. And I think, even though Iman, I believe, is still on the roster, right? Yes. He's around, but I think Tyrell Williams has jumped him on the depth chart. He's the number
3: two receiver. Yeah, exactly. So I'm still, like, I still like Travis Benjamin, Woodhead, and Gates a lot more for, you know, any fantasy purposes, I guess. But, I mean, Tyrell Williams is only 1% owned in ESPN right now. I mean, why not take the flyer and see if it works out?
2: Yeah, he has to be, even if you're going to bid on Tajay Sharp first or even if you're going to bid on any of these other guys we talk about, I think you need to throw $1 or maybe not, maybe not a waiver claim, but like a secondary waiver claim, yeah. something like that. I wouldn't use your number one priority waiver priority on Tyrell Williams because I think there might be someone emerging uh, early on in the season that might have a bigger role, but you need to at least have some sort of stake. I I think he'll be owned by a lot of a lot of players. If you're not high on them, you don't need to spend a lot of money, but you need to keep the other owners in your league honest at least. Yeah, just
3: watch. They'll bring back uh James Jones this week and that will put everything to rest.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I just don't see that happening. <laughs> no, I don't when Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback here. Right. Here's someone that has a lot more ownership, got a little bit more preseason hype. That's Will Fuller of the Texans. He led his team in targets with eleven, yards hundred seven. And remember, DeAndre Hopkins is on that team. They both caught the same amount of passes five, but Fuller was had more targets and more yards here. Now I'm not saying uh, Fuller's going to come even close to the production levels of DeAndre Hopkins this week this year. But he's someone that should probably be owned in fantasy leagues at this point, correct?
3: Yeah, and I mean, this is seemingly the first time in DeAndre Hopkins' career that he has a wide receiver of, or of, that has talent approaching his. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the fact that he got 11 targets means that he has a rapport with Brock Osweiler. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you think that's going to be continuing going forward? I mean, he averaged 21.4 yards per catch.
2: <laughs> huge I mean, he just has that breakaway speed that he can yeah. do enough after the catch if you get him the ball in the open field
3: yeah exactly um i mean there is i can i don't really have any complaints i would go out there and get him if he's uh mm-hmm. if he's available yeah, and he, he is did. in what 58 percent or 42% of leagues right now
2: and I, I just looked at Yahoo he's actually a coin toss on Yahoo so you got a 50-50 chance of basically yeah I, I think there's a very good case that when it's all said and done Will Fuller I mean presuming your league is active and already owns Tajay Sharp Will Fuller is probably your top pickup this week
3: yeah and who who el- who else is actually going to challenge for targets in this offense aside from DeAndre Hopkins it's going to be those two and Lamar Miller to a lesser extent
2: yeah exactly Lamar Miller is going to be a focal point of the offense we saw that right away I mean he's getting used he like he never was before but the tight end position in Houston, C.J. Fedorowicz, Ryan Griffin, yeah, not exactly. a whole lot to call home about. <laughs> then Braxton Miller, Jalen Strong. I mean, I'm, I'm not too high on either of those guys as being viable pass-catching options here. So yeah, go out and get yourself some Will, uh, Will Fuller. I think that'll uh, prove uh, well for you. Um, I can see anywhere from 10 to $15. Would you go any more than that?
3: Yeah, I guess 10 would probably be about my max right now, mm-hmm. just because there are a few better options at the moment. Yeah,
2: exactly. You don't necessarily want to blow your whole lot of free agent cash this early in the year on someone who isn't a sure thing. Now, Fuller mm-hmm. Fuller's good, but he's I wouldn't quite give him sure thing status here. So yeah. just something to consider here. We like to follow the targets when we talk about wide receivers, and if we're going to do that, Cole Beasley pops up on every target list because he was targeted 12 times week one against the Giants hauled in eight of those for 65 yards so not a huge fantasy day but Des Bryant was an afterthought and Terrence Williams who I was high on coming into the year I thought it was finally time contract year for Terrence Uh, I think part of the problem was Dak Prescott not really willing to go downfield but also Terrence Williams complete bonehead move not getting out of bounds on the final play of that game, effectively losing them the game, that's not going to do him any favors in terms of depth chart, snap count, anything like that. So does all of a sudden Cole Beasley become viable, or, is, or does the Dak Prescott factor and the uncertainty there make you back off a little bit?
3: I mean, we've already talked about anomalies in Week 1, right? Like Mm -hmm. Todd Gurley, um, Adrian Peterson, and
2: probably Des Bryant. I just want to throw out their Eddie Royal name because he's always a Week 1 anomaly. Oh, right. He scored, scored scored, didn't he? Yeah, he scored. (laughs) He had 50 yards. If you put all of his career Week 1s into one season, he'd be like a top-five fantasy receiver. But uh, he's someone that if you own him, trade him. Don't don't spend a dime on him on the waiver winner because they still have Kevin White.
3: And every year we forget to use him in... uh, you know, DFS in week one. Mm-hmm. I totally forget his name every year.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's <laughs> a very forgettable name because the last 15 weeks of the season make you do that for yeah. him typically. But then I I feel like, I feel the
3: same way about, uh, you know, Ty Gurley and Adrian Peterson as I do about Des Bryant. You spent a first round pick on him. Uh, he he was targeted five times. You know, that has to be kind of the floor. Like there's almost no way he's going to be targeted less than five times the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. He's going to like make an impact at some point. Uh, I, I mean, he's... Sh- He's going to eat into that target count that Beasley got.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he would have had a touchdown if it wasn't called back here. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I mean, Cole Beasley's been around with the Cowboys for four seasons, steadily getting. I mean, he had a career high 52 catches last year, five touchdowns. So the trajectory is there, but I just don't know if I'm buying it from a guy who's 5'8, 180. Yeah, from, from SMU. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but he will be picked up in a lot of leagues, and I could see if you're really desperate for wide receiver help and you're in a 16 team league, throwing a buck or something out on there. But I'm sure. not expecting. Sustained production from Cole Beasley all year long.
3: Yeah, I'm with you totally.
2: (laughs) All right, let's go back to Monday Night Football, though, and talk a little bit about Eli Rogers of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Just 12% owned in ESPN, six catches on seven targets for 51 yards, one touchdown there, but as you noted, it was a pretty fluky touchdown here. Does this hinge solely on the health of Marcus Wheaton? I
3: actually don't think it does because he is specifically going to work out of the slot And the only other person in the offense that does work out of the slot is antonio brown on occasion Mm -hmm. I I think that implies that he's going to have a pretty steady snap count the entire season Um, Marcus wheaton is going to work on the outside when he does come back pushing sammy Coates down the um, you know depth Mm -hmm. chart I think Sammy Coates is the one who's going to suffer when it comes to production, when Marcus Wheaton is actually healthy, and then also when Le'Veon Bell comes back.
2: Okay, so when you're making these moves, you got to drop somebody. Would you say Sammy Coates is a pretty safe drop candidate at this point?
3: Yeah, for sure.
2: Because if he's not going to get targets with, with, with no Le'Veon Bell and no Martavis Bryant, and, and if he's not going to get targets, then Eli Rogers is supreme over him. I'm not necessarily sold on him for anything the rest of the season so i think it's a safe bet go ahead and drop codes pick up rogers
3: yeah for sure and rogers is going to be i think a pretty safe play in ppr leagues i guess this season Mm -hmm. uh he's just not going to have those explosive plays yeah it's just not his game mm
2: -hmm. exactly he'll help move the chains a little bit almost a little bit like brown if if uh, opposing teams are smart and make it a focal point and make it their main point of emphasis to bottle up Brown, maybe shadow him with your best cornerback sure. or something like that, then I think that'll make more opportunities for Eli Rogers. So there'll be a few games this year. So I think you can justify maybe putting, well, let's see, 3 to $6 on Eli Rogers. I think that's fair.
3: Yeah, that's definitely a fair price.
2: Yeah, something that I, <laughs> that I, that I, that I would say. I wouldn't go too much more than that just because I don't know if the volume will always be there, mm-hmm. but it is something to consider there here. Finally, I want to look at the Buffalo wide receiver scenario. You've got guys like Robert Woods, Greg Salas, and Marquise Goodwin. Man, this is really tough. But the only reason we're bringing this up is because Sammy Watkins has that foot injury still and is expected to play through a lot of discomfort. If it's uh, too much, he could miss time both in the short and long term. Have a short turnaround this week with a Thursday night game. First off, what's your level of concern with Watkins? And and second, is there is there any reasonable replacement here?
3: <laughs> okay, first on Watkins he has a he had a Jones fracture he has a screw in his foot there's a decent track record of complications with said injury and Mm -hmm. like the screw coming loose that didn't actually happen in this case even though he was dealing with a lot of pain no structural damage so he that's why he's going to be playing through pain or attempting to play through pain Mm -hmm. I just uh, man like just that injury made me like say he's a no draft per. I'm like I'm not even going to touch him in any draft this year. Yeah, exactly. But, I stayed
2: away from him as well.
3: But then when it comes to Woods, it's like you haven't really seen this guy do anything as a professional. In mm-hmm. in the opener, he had four catches on five targets for twenty yards. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and, and
2: Tyrod Taylor is okay, but it's not like he's Aaron yeah. Rodgers or Tom Brady, and he's going to make the players around him better necessarily. So sure. I just don't think there's a ton of upside with any of these Buffalo wideouts. Not at all. I also think LaShawn McCoy gets hurt just because now teams can focus in on them. Look how teams treated Gurley last night. I think McCoy might get that treatment if if, if Watkins is unable to go.
3: Yeah, I guess the guy that I do like, I guess, a little bit is Charles Clay. But, you know, he's also dealing with an injury concern right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, He...
2: Yeah, that knee injury. That's you th- right. You think with the current state of the NFL, you'd be able to hike Sammy Watkins up on painkillers and just toss him out there? I mean, NFL pretty lenient on uh, on painkillers. Kill- You're absolutely toast if you smoke a J, but you know you can get hiked up with as many painkillers as sure. you want. So uh, <laughs> you think they'd find a way to get him out there? But again, I'm not optimistic for Thursday, and I'm not really optimistic for the rest of the year. And yeah. and it, it's good that I don't have any shares because I'd be cringing right now.
3: Yeah, the are the these uh, Thursday games we've. T- like gone into it extensively in the past but you kind of want to just like stay away unless you have like premier players going in those games um Mm -hmm. i mean do you
2: really want to do you really want to like a hope that i don't know you might have to start brandon marshall or eric decker or even even matt forte because you're in a point where you drafted them where you have to that's where you'd start this Thursday game. It's the sure. Jets at the Bills. However, the over-under on this game is 40.5. That is way lower than any other over-under on the week here. So there's not going to be a ton of points projected there, according to Vegas. you got to start your studs. I'm not right. I'm, I wouldn't bench Brandon Marshall. but uh, Yeah, Brandon. Uh, Brand- <laughs> Brandon Marshall's,
3: like, the one guarantee. Uh, other, I don't know, I guess I don't have any shares of I, Decker uh, or Forte. Maybe Decker's a little forte. fringy.
2: Yeah, I don't have any Forte either. My Forte's limited to best ball where I don't have to worry about a thing. Right, exactly. So, so I'm pleased with that. But, but yeah, any of these guys that we're talking about, whether it's Woods or Salas or... Salis or Marquise, mean, Goodwin. Oh, Marquise Goodwin. Well, Marquise Goodwin. Jesus, I can I have a hard time like uh, <laughs> even even doing their names here. But uh, no, none of these guys are going to be viable Thursday night, especially if one of them is uh, going to spend some time on Revis Island. Because trust me, they're no AJ Green. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to the tight end position here someone that we can finally get a jump on who I believe showed uh, Enough to, to warrant a bid is going to be Eric Ebron of the Detroit Lions now again Colts defense going to be terrible this year No questions there, uh, but can we finally jump on Ebron is it time? Yeah, I mean the
3: he did catch all five balls, right?
2: Yeah, very efficient which is uncharacteristic <laughs> of his stats to date.
3: Yeah, like in his first two season he did haul in sixty one and a half percent of his uh, targets. I mean that's Actually, probably about league average, I think uh slightly above league average, um, he did score you know that's always a good thing mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like in the hierarchy though of you know Detroit considerations, where does he land?
2: Mm -hmm. I I just just think people are are a little too high on Marvin Jones. I think he moved up draft forwards a little too high. He was targeted 10 times, which is cool and all, but he only caught four of those. He doesn't necessarily fit with a lot of that dink and dunk that Jim Bob Cooter likes to do here. So, uh, I mean, Golden Tate is going to get, seven or eight catches a game the rest of the way out I'm confident in that Eric Ebron uh, I mean I think he's going to be efficient enough and he's athletic enough to get open a big enough target for someone like Stafford I think there's good potential that Ebron finishes as a top 12 maybe even a top eight tight end if he's able to keep going now I I want to avoid overreaction uh, Tuesday here but at the same time (laughs) we've bought the skills of Ebron before and really, with tight ends, they develop a little slower than some of the rookie uh, receivers and running backs. So, we're into year three for Ebron, almost like uh, a Safarian Jenkins, where we're into year three. Uh, these guys are always, if they're going to break out, it's going to be this year. So, you might as well buy low on Ebron while you can. Go ahead and get yourself a share if he's out there on the waiver wire. Yeah, just to be devil's advocate, uh, <laughs> the Lions had five players get at least five
3: targets. That's, you know, Ebron, of course, Marvin Jones, Theo Riddick, Amir Abdullah. And Golden Tate and Anquan Bolden himself had three. You feel like, you know, maybe one of those will break out on a given week, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the, the rest of them will be kind of variable. And, you know, Tate is probably the safest bet to actually, you know, mm-hmm.
2: sustain a certain level, right? Good, yeah, I've got a good amount of, uh, of Tate shares, and I'm and I'm not necessarily, he didn't have the biggest week one for me, but I, I'm still sold on him being productive this year.
3: Yeah, I caught all seven of his targets. I mean, not bad.
2: Yep, <laughs> right down here. Well, let's move on to another tight end. Who tight ends tend to have some really fluky performances, and one of those that I think that fits the bill is Jack Doyle of the Colts. Here now, I, I have a share of Dwayne Allen, and I'm not interested in any shares of Jack Doyle. Are you? Can you even play the devil's advocate here? He had two touchdowns, so you can't ignore that. But I mean, is he even going to get that type of volume? One of them, if if he would have just ducked the other, his second touchdown would have probably gone to Ty Hilton. I it, think
3: it would. Yeah, it would have. Uh, they were in perfect alignment with each other. So, and I think uh, Luck was actually targeting T. Y. Hilton on that
2: play. Yeah, exactly. Just, he just Doyle kind of chucked to be it there. up the middle, and he knew one of them would get there. <laughs> but yeah, Doyle came flying into the picture and snagged that one down. So, spoiling it for T. Y. Hilton owners. Mm-hmm. I just I don't I don't think this is enough to consider uh, Doyle pickup by any means. Weren't Dwayne Allen and Jack Doyle
3: the top two scores for tight ends this week? I think they were because they both scored twice and had, you know, Mm -hmm. decent output uh, in yards.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Dwayne Allen four catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. I think uh, I feel pretty good about that Dwayne Allen pick. I'm glad that I skipped... Uh, at least after week one I'm glad that I skipped the Barnage Fleener tier in favor of waiting for Dwayne Allen in the leagues where I did that we'll see if that holds up the rest of the season yeah
3: yeah that's good
2: all right another quick tight end to talk about the outlaw Jesse James for the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers here again we've got Ladarius Darius Green dealing with a uh, foot ankle injury as well as some headaches I don't know if he's got Percy Harvin, Harvin syndrome yet but it's a little bit concerning anytime you hear headaches especially with the new emphasis on player safety Jesse James seven targets here is, is he worth looking in at all uh yeah I mean at least in the
3: short term we've already kind of gone into you know the Pittsburgh Steelers situation extensively uh with Marcus Wheaton potentially you know uh with an injury lingering uh Le'Veon Bell out for the next two weeks uh they might only have five viable wide receivers and if that's the case and Ben Roethlisberger is probably going to be throwing at least 35 times this year Mm -hmm. like he has a good shot of getting like you know five to six targets per week
2: yeah heath miller you got to replace those targets somewhere and of course if it's not going to be the area screen it's got to be someone so why not the outlaw only 6.2 yards per catch so not great along of eight but it seems like the volume is going to at least be there i mean brown 11 targets and rightfully so d'angelo williams nine targets uh and then of course you've got rogers and jesse excuse me jesse james with seven targets apiece there so something to look at I picked up Jesse James as a Gronk fill in week one. I don't think I'm going to drop him yet just because I, I think uh, That's I, there's some potential there. So yeah. I already own him. Don't have to worry about spending money here. Uh, let's take a quick look Quick look at uh, defense streaming options here. Um, anybody that is maybe a little bit low-owned in terms of defense uh, jump out at you at all.
3: Yeah, so the Patriots are actually um let 's see sixty two and a half percent owned right now, so in nearly forty percent of leagues they 're available at the moment mm-hmm. uh they 're playing Miami at home in week two. both teams were actually on the west coast in week one, but Miami actually is you know <laughs> just that travel from the Pacific Northwest to Miami, hanging out for a few days, and then Preparing to face the Patriots going up to New England mm-hmm. like that's a hell of a lot of travel in, you know, one week I can see them being very flat in this game and the Pats just pretty much demolishing them
2: yeah, both exactly.
3: on offense yeah. and defense
2: the that's defense even without chandler Jones is, uh was looking pretty respectable against carson palmer they were able to take yeah. away the deep ball from carson palmer of course the thing that they do best david johnson had a little bit beast mode larry fitzgerald had a little bit of beast mode but outside of that uh overall the the cardinals offense not quite as high powered as we thought so i think that's a good option my favorite option Might be the Jets, though, on a short week, and we noted this in our our plan here. Tyrod Taylor, yeah, he's all right. He can do some things with his legs, but if he doesn't have any weapons, if Sammy Watkins is limited or ruled out entirely – I don't think that that offense is good enough to rely solely on LaShawn McCoy. So I'm going to go after this Jets defense. I saw the Jets defense getting taken in a few of my fantasy drafts, but it was usually an auto-drafted second defense or or just like a really late flyer from someone giving up in a 16-team league. So I think there's a decent chance the Jets are out there. I also want to consider the Ravens against Josh McCown uh but and i know last year's performance could very well be fluky. josh McCown has came up big against a similar team in the past so i'm not as confident in the ravens as i would be against someone like uh you know like the jets this week mm-hmm. all right man
3: uh you you also mentioned the jags here i guess yeah. uh the san diego offense that will be without keenan allen um i <laughs> i think I, they, I, might, be, they might
2: be too owned is is sure. the only thing so that's one thing but you have another concern well, I just think
3: that Philip Rivers is still at the top of his game and is not going to like, you know, back down even the, mm-hmm. even against an up and coming defense in in Jacksonville.
2: Mm-hmm. so yeah it's a fringe option and chances are you already uh you own the jags or somebody owns the jags. but just kind of want to i like to throw out a lot of options out sure. there let the listeners take in all the facts hopefully make their own opinion hopefully get uh to put together a winner week one because sure. hey the waiver wire it's it's about bouncing back from a bad draft but it's also about constantly building up your team sure. throughout the course of the season if, even if you're in first place in your league if you're a good owner getting ready for the playoffs you're going to be scrounging the waiver wire every week that's why listening to this podcast is, is so important for sure, you guys and helpful <laughs> yeah, exactly, because we're going to get you the complete picture. Hope you guys enjoyed this week, but that's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, sponsored by com. Also, please remember to check out Rotowire free for 10 days by going to com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash P-O-D. Once again, I'm Jake Litarsky. You can find me on Twitter at jakeski52. And over here, I'm Eric Kateri, and you can find me on Twitter
3: at etcat30.
2: The RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast will return Wednesday with Mario and John.
1: Ace is a place with the helpful
0: hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores.
1: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.